Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer and I'm the worship arts pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Well, it's great to be back with you again. Um, Karen and I are excited to, to be here and my dad and my sister are here this morning as well, which is kind of nice, um, particularly on Father's Day. Uh, we will be neighbors sometimes within the next decade. Uh, we are building a house up in Sunset Ridge. We were supposed to take possession of it this week, but um, the roof just went on this week, so it'll, it'll be a while. Um, and then we're going to rent it out until such time as we, we come back. Well, it's... Uh, it's exciting to be able to be involved in what God is doing around the world. Uh, there are more than 1,600 verses in the Bible that show God's passion for His glory to be enjoyed by all nations, every people group on earth. From the first book of the Bible until the last, we see it in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we see it again in the book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 and 10. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. God has a heart for the nations, and He desires His church to be a global people with a heart for the nations as well. The Bible is a missionary book featuring a missionary God whose will and purpose is to call and create a missionary people. The missionary theme ties every Bible book, theme, and motive from beginning to end together. God is the primary missionary. Missionary uh, originates in the very character of God. God is personal. He is a seeker of lost humanity. He's a sufferer whose eyes see, ears hear, hands feel. If mission is part of the nature of God, then to commit to God means to become a missionary. That's a quote from uh, Dr. T.V. Thomas. After 24 years of pastoral ministry here in Canada, 13 and a half years ago, Karen and I and two of our three children moved to Southeast Asia to pastor an international church. The international church has people from at least 20 to 30 different nations, depending on the time. It's been a joy to serve literally thousands of people from many different nations. We, Karen and I both feel like it was a small taste of heaven, worshiping with all of the nations together. We finished our pastoral, or, or our role as the pastoral couple at the church on May 15th. And so over the last few months, Karen and I have done a lot of reflecting 
on some of the people we had the privilege to meet over the last almost 14 years. I think of Michael, a German man who met Jesus in Southeast Asia and vowed to take him back to his small village in Germany. I think of Saeed, who met Jesus and was baptized and faced immense persecution as he was from a North African country. I think of Rolf, a German man who was there on business and on his first Sunday came up to me and said, while I'm here in Southeast Asia, I want to meet Jesus. Will you help me? And Rolf and his family met Jesus in Southeast Asia. I think of Marjan, a student from Iran who came to our city and met Jesus and on her final Sunday asked if she could be baptized. We, are, we just meet in a, a storefront. And so we aren't set up for baptisms, but we gathered uh, some towels and some pitchers of water and we baptized her the day before she set off on the next chapter of her journey. I think of James, a Scottish man, who came to our city and met Jesus shortly before he was diagnosed with cancer. We baptized him, and now he is with Jesus. I think of Natalia from a Ukrainian Catholic background who came to our church and met Jesus in a new and a fresh way, and she has recently moved to Australia and is walking with Jesus there. I'm thankful for a couple of young Rohingya men who met Jesus through our ministry in Southeast Asia, and we baptized them a few years ago, and they continue to take Jesus to their people in our city. I'm thankful for Amanul, who came to our church from Bangladesh, and he got involved in our ministry to migrant workers, and God used him to introduce many Bengali and Rohingya men to Jesus. I think of Dan and Melissa who had significant encounters with Jesus in our city and they are now seeking to reach a least reached people group in southern Thailand. I think I'm thankful for Tim and Amanda, a couple who were working in our city as engineers in the oil and gas industry, but who noticed the migrant people, the migrant workers, as people who needed Jesus. And they regularly met with migrant workers and pointed them to Jesus. And in the midst of their work with those migrant workers, they had an encounter with Jesus, and they left their engineering jobs to go to North India, where they are now working amongst the poor and the marginalized. Jesus said he would build his church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And he is building his church globally today. I recently read an inspiring and challenging book called Pioneering Movements by Steve Addison. And it's so inspiring to read about how God is on the move around the world, drawing men and women and children to himself. And he is building his church. See, Jesus didn't want a Jewish church or a Roman church or a Greek church, or a Canadian church, or a Chinese church. He wanted a global church that would include people from every tribe and nation on the face of the earth. God's plan to accomplish that is very simple. He uses ordinary people like you and me, filled with the Spirit of God, living authentic lives, loving people in Jesus' name, and introducing them to Jesus, one person at a time, making disciples who love God and love their neighbors. That is the role of all of us in this room, all of you watching online. 
we are called to make disciples of all nations. The only difference between you and I is where we are located. Same calling, different place around the world. It's the church's mission to take the gospel to all nations. Mission is not a human invention. So when we think in terms of what our mission is as his church, the first question we need to ask is how did God do it? And the best answer to this question is found in the incarnation of Jesus. God became a human being and brought the message and ministry of God's love to all creation. Jesus was humble, not regarding equality with God something to be grasped, according to Philippians 2. He didn't come as a great military genius, but in peace and humility. He didn't come to become a dictator demanding our allegiance, but he came as a baby. He grew up in a small town. He learned carpentry. He didn't have a great education. God, the creator of the universe, became one of us. Jesus spoke simply and yet with great power and authority. He was a man of integrity. He was compassionate. He visited the sick. Jesus loved people. Jesus cared about outcasts and the unwanted. He loved and cared for the lepers, the prostitutes, the invalids, the diseased, the demon-possessed, the hated tax collectors, and the minorities. He was a friend of sinners. Jesus always started his ministry with where people were, not where he was. Jesus was never quick to condemn. The creator of the universe has been pursuing a relationship with all of us. And he has given us the example that we should follow in how we relate to people who don't yet know him. Ten years ago, the church I pastored in Southeast Asia began a ministry to the Rohingya. A couple of years ago, the UN designated them as the most persecuted people group in the world. I had never heard of the people group until an evening in 2012 when I had decided I, I wanted to, to meet some of the migrant workers in our city. So very close to where Karen and I lived, uh, there was a shantytown of between three and 5,000 migrant workers. And so I just began to go into that shantytown and walk around and just try and meet anybody who was there, anybody who I could communicate with. On the first night, I met many young Rohingya men. And that began the work that we are still involved in today. Let me give you just a brief history of this people group in case you, you don't know about who they are. The Rohingya people are a distinct ethnic group who are Muslims. To be Rohingya is to be Muslim. The, the Rohingya people see themselves as citizens of Myanmar with the Rohingya originating in, the, in western Myanmar in the state of Arakan around the 8th century when Islam first came uh, to, to that region. Despite this history of the Rohingya having nationality and heritage within Myanmar, they're considered by the rest of the country's citizens as non-citizens living within Myanmar. In 1982, the Myanmar government introduced the Burma Citizenship Act, which made each 
ethnic group within that country, they needed to be able to prove their ethnicity that they belonged in the country before 1823. Very difficult for just an oral uh, society who don't keep records of almost anything. To this day, there's great animosity shown to the Rohingya because of the fact that they are a Muslim people group living in a predominantly Buddhist nation where they differ from the majority ethnically, linguistically, and religiously. I've been told many stories of how difficult life was for the Rohingya in Myanmar. They didn't have freedom of movement. They couldn't get jobs. They needed government permission to get married. They needed government permission to even go visit a family member in another village. And their desperation grew when they heard of boats that you could pay huge sums of money to human traffickers to escape. And many began to flee Myanmar in hopes of a better life. Many fled to Bangladesh, and there was a steady flow of boats filled with desperate Rohingya people coming to the country that we live in, Southeast Asia. Many thought that they would have the possibility of a better life in our country because it's a Muslim-majority country. We began a little learning center called Nations Learning Center. And our students at NLC uh, began to tell us their stories of life in Myanmar, their journeys with human traffickers, the awful conditions on the boats, how they were beaten, and what life was like for them now living in our country. All the young men we worked with are highly traumatized from their life in Myanmar, from their journey, and, what, and continued trauma in our country. Many of them were able to find work in the underground economy, building luxury condos in our city. They worked in the triple D jobs, dirty, uh, dangerous, and demeaning. They're jobs that the local people will not do. And so foreign workers are brought in to do the jobs. Some of them brought in legally, many of them brought in illegally. The stories of long hours with no breaks, terrible living conditions, no safety standards on the work sites, bosses not paying workers, and the workers having no recourse as they are working illegally were very common, are very common. And the Lord has built us, allowed us to build relationships with hundreds and hundreds of young Rohingya men. Since the end of the COVID-19 lockdowns just earlier this year, we started up our conversational English classes again on Sunday evenings. And I meet with this small group of young men, and we play Uno, we talk about life, we talk about their families, we talk about what life is like in our country and what their families are going through in the refugee camps in Bangladesh, and we talk about Jesus. Let me just introduce you to a, a few of the young men that I consider good friends of mine. Ayub and I have known each other for almost 10 years now. Um, he was one of our first students at the Nations Learning Center. He's always been a gentle and kind young man. 
like most of the others. He has a, a painful story of his journey to our country and the difficulties that he's faced over the last 10 years. He comes to class every week, and some of our volunteers through the years have spent a lot of time with him talking about Jesus and simply being his friend. Seven years ago, Ayub had an accident at work, and a nail got lodged in his left eye. Because migrant workers don't have any rights in our country, his employer did nothing to help him, and so he called on us. And we were able to help him uh, get some surgery uh, through MSF or Doctors Without Borders. A few months ago, he needed surgery again, or he was in danger of losing sight in his, in his eye. My friend Ben and I have walked with him and been able to help him, and he had a second surgery, and his eye is slowly healing. He sent me this picture from his hospital bed. He's so thankful for how we care for him. He's a devout Muslim, but he's very intrigued by Jesus. And we have had many great conversations of how deeply he is loved by Jesus. Would you please pray for Ayub? Another of our students is Rahim. I met Rahim six years ago at one of our classes, and he's, he's been so faithful in attending and trying to get many of his friends to join us. Had the privilege of meeting his family in, um, in the refugee camps in Bangladesh a number of years ago. Uh, during, during the lockdowns, we were able to provide food, food for him every week for quite a few months. He mentioned to me numerous times that he never could have survived if we didn't help him during the COVID lockdowns in our country. And this church sent money to, to help us in providing food for thousands of Rohingya. We, we gave away over 20 metric tons of, of rice. Uh, our teammates did a fantastic job in organizing and planning this, and it has opened up many doors. Last September, I received an excited call from Rahim that he was getting married and asked if I would go to his wedding, and of course, I was honored to go. One of the interesting things that our team is facing these days is that many of the young, now it's many young women who are being trafficked to our country in order to become the wives of the young men that we have been working with over the last decade. Girls as young as 12 and 13 years old are being traffic to our country to become child brides. It's tragic. I went and met Rahim and his new and very young wife, and I heard her story. And Rahim has given me permission to share it with you. Uh, Rahim and her parents uh, are in refugee camps in Bangladesh, and they made the arrangements, and a dowry was paid in the form of gold, which is their tradition. And this young girl, who we guessed to be 14 or 15 years old, got on a boat by herself with 400 other strangers, spent four months on that boat. So imagine being this young girl, being sent to a country to meet a stranger who is to become her husband.
and the trauma of that journey. They arrived in a neighboring country and she was stuck there for a number of months because of all of the COVID um, lockdowns in Southeast Asia. But traffickers finally were able to get her to our country. And this is in the middle of COVID lockdowns when our country is, the borders were supposedly closed, but they're not closed to the human traffickers. It took her around six to seven months to finally arrive and meet her husband. They met one day and they were married the next. This young girl is now in her new home among a group of strangers and this story is happening over and over and over again. I've had numerous calls over the last few months asking for help as many of these young brides have been caught by immigration officials and, and the police and are now in detention and the young men I work with want help to get their future wives out of jail. We, our, our team now is meeting with many of these young brides who are becoming pregnant. And our team is providing pregnancy care, prenatal care, um, teaching them how to breastfeed, just all kinds of different things. So God has expanded the boundaries of this ministry. It was just to young men, but now the young women are also coming. Another young man that I've told you about is Johnny. I, I've been chatting with Johnny this morning. He calls me even while we're here five or six or seven times a week. Um, he continues to go and tell his friends about Jesus. He goes and reads the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John talks about Jesus with them. He called me in October to join him in baptizing two of his Rohingya friends. Johnny himself was recently married, and he was so disappointed that I wasn't able to go and meet his wife before I came back to Canada. Church, I want to encourage you that God is at work building his church. I'd like to ask you to pray for Johnny as he continues to be uh, faithful in, in sharing Jesus with his own people. Please pray for my friends um, around this table. That was two nights before we came back to Canada. Hayad, Mukhtar, Muhammad Islam, Noor Kabir. Please pray that they would have a personal encounter with Jesus. We've just come through Ramadan and on the night before Ramadan started, we met together, and, uh, and I, I said, I, I want to pray for you that Jesus will appear to you in dreams and visions through, through Ramadan. And um, it didn't happen, but I know that God is at work. One of these young men this week, I've been communicating with him uh, on WhatsApp, and he, he said he's been reading his Bible and he has many questions he has about um, what it means to follow Jesus. He's a devout Muslim young man. But would you pray for these young men? God is building his church around the world. Here in Canada, since we've been back, I'm, uh, we've been speaking in many churches and hearing lots of news of people walking away from Jesus and walking away from the church but I can tell you that there are incredible things happening around the world.
It's easy sometimes to be focused on the, every, the everyday stuff of life. But I ask you, church, to look up, look around. God has brought the nations to Canada. As I walk in, in the city of Calgary just a, a few times over the last month, I'm amazed to see that God is bringing the nations here. And we only need to look up and look around and see that there are many people who need Jesus. Many people that we will come into contact with, whether they're serving us in a restaurant, whether they're in a grocery store, whether they're our next-door neighbors. God has called us to make disciples of all nations. People are coming to Canada from nations that missionaries could never go into. God is at work, and he's building his church. And all of us in this room have the incredible privilege, the incredible responsibility to, um, to be part of, of God's mission. All of us have a part. One of the most encouraging uh, things for, for us is when we, we get to hear back from you as we've been in churches and hear of people who have been praying for us for, for 14 years. Um, it's humbling, and we're so thankful. Uh, Karen has been so good for the last 14 years. Every Thursday night, uh, well, I guess it's Wednesday night where we live, but Thursday morning for you, uh, she sends out something called Thursday with the Thorns. Um, and just a, a couple of stories and a couple prayer points. And if you would like to join with our prayer team, um, there's one more slide. That's Karen's phone number. We used to have a sign-up sheet, but we found out that many of you, nobody in this church, but many people have very bad handwriting. And so um, we... We probably sent emails to people who are wondering, what in the world is this email? I never signed up for anything. Um, and so if you would be interested in joining our prayer team, um, Karen's phone number is there. And just email or send a text uh, to that phone number with your name and your email address and we will add you to the list. We, we aren't doing it every week while we're back in Canada, and we'll be back in Canada until the middle of September. We, we have finished our role at the international church we've been serving, and we are um, asking the Lord what's next. We may be back in the same city uh, working more fully with the Rohingya. Um, there's a possibility of moving to uh, North Africa that we are... Uh, praying about right now. Uh, we, we just are seeking God and would appreciate your prayers as we seek God. Uh, I, I have uh, been struggling with some pretty significant health issues over the last eight months that have made life very difficult, uh, but God has given me what I need each day, um, and we are continuing to trust Him that He will heal me to the place to where we can end up back overseas um, by the middle of September. So thank you, church, for partnering with us. I'm going to invite the worship team, if they would come, and they're going to, to lead us.